Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to all of you. I'm Mete Bukerjolo, and you're listening to ICANN's music theory program, The Shape of Music. Welcome back to The Shape of Music, a five-part series where we take you through the magic of music, how it works, and what makes it sound so good. Here we are on the fourth episode, and boy has it been a journey. In our first two lessons, we learned about the two most important parts of music theory, rhythm and melody. We described rhythm as the heartbeat of music, and melody as the meat and potatoes of it. Rhythm is the space between notes, which gives it structure and life just like how our hearts beat in a structured pattern to give us life. And melody is when you add pitch to rhythm, which really gives it the flavor that makes listening to it satisfying. We spoke of this musical alphabet, which serves as the musical language's foundation, much like the Korean alphabet is the base for the Korean language, or how the English alphabet structures the English language. But this knowledge of the musical alphabet is no good until we figure out how to use it. So we shifted gears in our last episode, where we explored how to translate the musical alphabet into the sounds we hear by learning about the keyboard. We're going to stay on the topic of communication for today. See, the musical language is unlike any other language. Usually, our languages communicate through spoken words, but the language we've spent the last three episodes studying is unusual. It relies on instruments to instead communicate for us. In a way, we can express so much more through these musical instruments than we can by speaking. And the other benefit is that everybody already understands this language to a certain degree. Music makes us feel things, no matter where we're from. It gives us goosebumps, makes us happy, makes us cry. Think of each of these feelings as a color. Just like there's a spectrum of different shades of color, there's a whole spectrum of feelings that music gets us to experience. In that sense, the musical language is the best one there is. Today, we will learn about the different ways we can communicate with this language. Think of the musical language like you would any normal language. There are rules to it, which we call grammar. There's a vocabulary, which lets us express our thoughts, adding a special color to what we mean. And there are accents within a language that give our thoughts a unique sound. The fun thing about music is that the rules, the grammar of it all, are not hard. We actually already learned them when we explored note values and time signatures in the first episode. Now that leaves us with a whole vocabulary and all these unique accents to talk about. In our musical language, the vocabulary is the way we touch our instrument and the harmonies we use. And the accent is which instrument we choose to use because each one has a different sound. By the end of this episode, you'll be able to confidently say, I just learned a new language. When we're speaking, we can choose different words from our vocabulary to express different levels of feeling. For example, I could say, 
today was a good day because I did a lot. Or I could say, today was the best day this week because I went outside with my dog and we played fetch. See how that second description gives more meaning? By describing my day as the best one this week, I make it clear that it's better than just good. I also explain what I did instead of saying I did a lot, which gives you a better understanding of how my day was. The way we use our vocabulary in our musical language matters too. Let's talk about how we can get different sounds out of the instrument we choose to communicate with. Let's take the keyboard for example. When you press on a key lightly, the sound is quiet. When you press with more force, the sound becomes louder. Another trick is changing the length of the note. I don't mean changing the note value, like going from a half note to a quarter note. I mean how long do I hold the note given its note value. Playing everything fully with long notes sounds like this. This technique is called legato. In Italian, it means smooth or bound. The way I like to remember it is it rhymes with gelato, the Italian word for ice cream, which is also pretty smooth. If I play the same thing with shorter notes, it sounds like this. There are so many combinations and ways to play something. I can play loud and legato, soft and staccato, loud and staccato, and so on. All these differences are what make the musical language infinitely expressive. You can best hear the musical language's diversity in a symphonic orchestra. So many different instruments with so many unique sounds, or if we make the comparison again to spoken language, accents. When speaking English, for example, there are plenty of accents. Before I demonstrate, I would like to disclose that these are pretty bad demonstrations, but hopefully it'll get the point across. You've got a strong Boston accent, or a Northeast American accent, or you have a regular Pacific Northwest accent, which is like my normal voice, or a Southern accent, or a British accent. In an orchestra, each family of instruments is like an accent, but in music, we don't call them accents, we call them timbre. Timbre is the quality of a sound. Let's talk about how each of these timbres exists in the orchestra. The largest group in a symphonic orchestra is the string instruments. These include the violin, viola, cello, and bass. Another popular member of this group, which is not a part of the symphonic orchestra, is the guitar. These string instruments can be plucked or more commonly played with a bow. If you watched the behind the scenes video from last episode, then this'll sound familiar. As the bow passes over the string, it causes it to vibrate really fast. The pitch that comes out depends on how fast the string vibrates. You can put your fingers over the strings to change the pitch. Wait, give me one second and I can show you with my own violin. The violin has four strings. The lowest is a G string. 
Next, the D string, then an A string, and lastly, the E string. So what you heard there was I just plucked the strings using my finger, but that's not the typical way you would hear a violin or any string instrument. Actually, as I said before, you normally hear the violin played with a bow, like so. So as you could hear, as I pulled the bow across the string, the sound that came out was a lot longer than the sound that I plucked with my finger. Here it is again. So what's happening is I'm moving the bow with all of these tiny horsehairs attached to it across the string, and then as the bow is moving across the string perpendicular to it, the string is vibrating really, really fast, and then the speed at which it vibrates is what determines the pitch. In this case, it's an A. All right, now you're gonna hear my sister Aisha on the cello. Hello, can you please come over? I need your cello, we're doing a demonstration. Hi, my name is Aisha, and this is what the cello sounds like. pitches you hear are a lot lower. That's because the strings on the cello are thicker than the strings on the violin. Thicker strings vibrate slower, which gives it a lower frequency pitch. Thank you. No problem. All right, you can go now. Have fun with your Spanish homework. Timbre, or sound quality, is pretty hard to describe since, remember, music is its own language different from spoken language. Do string instruments have bright sounds? Are they clear? Thick? See, the two languages aren't really compatible. So let me play you this Brandenburg Concerto from the Freiburger String Quartet in Germany so you can decide for yourself what it sounds like. Another group in the orchestra is made up of the brass instruments. These include French horns, trumpets, trombones, and tubas. This family of instrument is defined by its long pipes attached to bell-like ends. All brass instruments are played by vibrating your lips against a hole on the instrument so you're basically spitting into it. The vibrations go through the pipe, then the bell-shaped end, producing sound. If this group were an accent, it would probably be the New York one because it's just so loud. Sorry to any New York listeners. Here's a French horn solo from Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony.
I love that part so much. The French horn sounds so clear and light and heavy all at the same time. Next, we have the woodwinds. The name is kinda misleading now because these aren't actually made of wood anymore. Instead, people decades or even centuries ago figured out a way to make them sound better using metal. But I guess the name still sticks. In an orchestra, this family includes the flute, oboe, clarinet, and bassoon. Not in the orchestra, but also an important member, is the recorder. You might have heard of or even played this instrument. The recorder is a flute, but instead of playing it sideways, you play it in front of you. These instruments are all pretty thin pipes with holes along them. They've got an open bottom and a mouthpiece at the top. You play woodwind instruments by blowing air through the mouthpiece. That's where the wind in woodwind comes from and opening or closing the holes with your fingers to change the pitch. Here's a clip of Bach's Sonata in C major. The main instrument you hear is the recorder. Sounds kind of like a bird, right? Ah, listening to this makes me relaxed. Last but not least is the percussion family. Percussion instruments include any instrument that makes a sound when it is hit, shaken, or scraped. Some examples are the drum, the tambourine, maraca, timpani, xylophone, and piano. If you're wondering why the piano is in the same category as the drum, Remember that the piano sound comes from a hammer striking a string, so it's similar to how a drum sound comes from a hand or stick hitting the instrument. Percussion instruments keep the rhythm, make special sounds, and add excitement and color. This next piece, Ravel's Bolero, begins quietly with the beat of a drum and transforms into a powerful melody as each new instrument is introduced. The drum is the backbone of the piece. To me, it sounds driving and purposeful, even though it's quiet. What do you think? Now let's do an activity. Grab a blank piece of paper and some coloring supplies. I'm going to play you some music, and your job is to color what you hear. Remember, the different instruments and ways they are played give the music color, a form of communication that is unique to you. Unlike spoken words, musical phrases have no literal meaning. I can say, please close the door on your way out, but I can't literally tell you that same thing with music. You get what I mean? So whatever you hear is going to be how you understand, how you interpret it. You get to give the music meaning by deciding what to color it.
It's like a choose-your-own-adventure book. Just color what you imagine. Here we go. the end of today's episode. Let's do a quick review to make sure we've got everything down. The musical language is different from any spoken language because it is a pure expression and it is universal, meaning anybody in the world can understand it. This language has the power to take us on a colorful journey. We can express ourselves using touch, loud, soft, legato, staccato, also, the instrument we choose is responsible for what type of sound comes out. In spoken language, the instrument or family of instruments would be kind of like an accent. Same language, just a different form of expression. We learned that in an orchestra there are strings, brass, woodwinds, and percussion, and each of these families has its own timbre or quality of sound. This quality, again, is largely up to your interpretation. If you want to be featured on our Instagram or maybe even our website, take a picture of your coloring this episode and email it to sarah at allclassical.org. This episode was written and recorded by me and produced by Sarah Zwinkless, with music by Nathaniel Wyvern, Scott Holmes, Poddington Bear, and me. Special thanks to Sarah for helping out with the outline for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Mete Bocajolo, and I will see you all next time on The Shape of Music, where we will dive into our most exciting concept yet, the Circle of Fifths, which is the magical treasure map of music that holds the secrets to sound. <laughs>